For all you treasure seekers out there, uh, we got a new hidden gem. Uh, it's last week's episode. It's gone uh, because I don't know. There were some technical difficulties. The audio was fucked. Here's what happened. I we I usually use the headphones to record from home. Lucas tells me don't use the headphones. I use the crappy Mac mic. Yeah. Uh, and the results uh, were less than stellar. So now, here we are. Yep. For part two. <laughs> part two. We're doing it over. Last week, we were supposed to be talking about Hearts of Darkness, uh, the documentary by Francis Ford Coppola's wife. Don't know what her name is. Uh, Eleanor. Eleanor Rigby. And now, <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. Uh, so we're doing it again. This is going to be a quick one because, like, once you do the show and you have to redo the show, you can't do the show that many more times. I was going to say, for those who haven't done recording, like, to record and to, like, espouse your opinions again in the same fashion, it's, like, it's it's horrible. It's, yeah. like, uh, it's very tiring and mundane. Yeah. So we'll give we're, we're gonna give you a cop we're gonna give you a cop episode because we always give you a cop episode. Yeah. But um, you know. Well, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, even, there are times. There've been a few times recording from home now where we've had to, like, splice two clips together because like either my mic cuts out because I'm playing RuneScape and something <laughs> happens or. Uh, something happens on Matt's end, and then we have to redo it, and then it's like, I don't even want to say that same sentence over again. Where I'm not even going to say the title of the movie today. Yeah. It's a movie. It's a movie. So we're talking about a movie today. Uh, We watched it, I don't know, a bit ago. I have the copy of this movie in this super pack Apocalypse Now set that comes with Every cut, and then Hearts of Darkness, and then your DVD extras, uh, where uh, Marlon Brando says a bee flew in my mouth instead of uh, they're animals, and I killed them like animals. I hate them! (laughs) So, yeah, we're talking about Hearts of Darkness. It's a documentary. It was pretty good. I, I liked it not as much as some people do. Some people consider this movie better than Apocalypse Now. I think those people are a little foolish and maybe need to give their head a sh- little bit of a shake. The thing with this movie is that I think it's like a, it's a very um, uncontroversial film in the sense that it's well-structured, it's well-shot. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now is divisive, I think, because of the P-word, pretentious, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is something that Coppola mentions in this film. But I think a lot of people just think that oh, Apocalypse Now is sort of bloated and a little bit indul- self-indulgent right. and such like that. You could argue for the same for this film, but um, I don't know. What did you think about this film for the second time? For the second time. Okay. Um, yeah, well, my big thing that I was hammering home in the last episode was that um, I found that it may have either gone on for too long or they weren't really... Um, fully tackling the idea or the or the yeah the idea or the theme that they wanted to tackle the big thing in hearts of darkness the subtitle being a filmmaker's apocalypse was that uh francis ford coppola's journey was like parallel with willard's journey in apocalypse now which i didn't really get at times it just seemed like he was slightly being passive aggressive to some fellow actors uh 
And then, like, you got some shots in the background where he's saying the F word a few times. It didn't, like, seem that intense, but it did at the end. But, and then I guess you have to build up to that. But I so then I guess the build up was a bit slow, but the editing was on point here. Um, sound design was great. Uh, sound design wasn't so great in the next movie we're going to be talking about right after <laughs> we record this movie or this show. Uh, I won't say what that is, but they already know. Well, no, because the episode's gone. Don't we announce it two oh, weeks? Two weeks. Okay, so it's Harold and Maude. We're recording after <laughs> this. Uh, sound design wasn't so stellar in that. But yeah, that's pretty um, pretty much it. I'm not a huge documentary person. Haven't seen a ton of them. Matt I, has always been more into them than or, and the biopics than I have been into. Uh, so yeah, what did, uh, what did you think? I'll say this. And in regards to how, of course, a filmmaker's apocalypse, it's very dramatic. And mm-hmm. the... The thing with this film is that if you're comparing to the drama in Apocalypse Now, which is kind of unparalleled, yeah. of course it's going to seem a little bit mundane in comparison. Yeah. But in a vacuum, uh, the story that this film chronicles of Apocalypse Now, uh, its production over several years and millions of dollars and a lot of F-bombs dropped, uh, it's pretty interesting. It almost plays out like a film narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you even get the triumphant ending uh, if you enjoy apocalypse now i like to think the general consensus from like yeah i'd like it's a large portion of film viewing audiences that's a great film my mom hates it your mom hates the She's film like, if i could i would get those three hours back of my life wow that's uh so there it is you know i that's i think that's the first person i know who said they didn't like yeah. the film. but i i enjoy the movie quite a bit because yes it's it's sort of meant to be parallel uh, with Coppola being Willard or Marlowe in the book or so on and so forth as he makes his way upriver, I guess a metaphorical river. Mm-hmm. Um, his end game is, of course, to make a film. Um, but I, I think as documentaries go, it's, it's textbook, but it's very high quality. Um, all the editing, I think, which I noted in the last episode, which I shouldn't even be alluding to, but here I am, um, is very, is superb. Um, Eleanor Coppola, I have to give her uh, props for deciding, you know what, I'm going to film my husband secretly during the production of this film. Well, it's for her. I know, and I can appreciate that, but I think it's, I think, well, without that footage, we wouldn't have it nearly as compelling as a film. I wonder what that talk was like when she was like, I have something to tell you. I'm sure Coppola would have been, like, when she revealed that she had secret footage, he was probably like, oh, cool, you're going to make a movie out of this? (laughs) Is, so Eleanor Coppola uh, recorded a lot of footage from uh, from actual production, like on the ground level of the production of the film. I think the movie is directed and written by Fax Barr, uh, and I believe he does the, the interviews a few years later. Mm-hmm. So, you, so you have some interviews during the recording of the, or the, the filming of, the, of Apocalypse Now, and you do have some interviews after. Um, one thing that I remember noting... Um, is that some of the interviews are better than others. Of yeah. course, Coppola is very involved in the film, and I can appreciate that, because given that this seemed to be a very tortured time in his life, mm-hmm. uh, and a very stressful time in his life, he's very open talking about his feelings mm-hmm. and his experiences, uh, whereas some other actors are less than eager to disclose. Although, I I have to say that uh, you'd probably be less than eager to talk about your ecstasy <laughs> use on the film production. Yeah, because... What the character's name is Lance. I forget yeah. what his actor's the actor's name is. But like they interview him, and like he doesn't. Maybe that's just how he is. Because like I'm very, like monotone 
and like I usually sound either bored or pissed even when I'm like not trying to be yeah so maybe that's just how he is but like they're asking him questions uh like there's one scene where they're asking him like his drug use on set they're like did you do uh like uh cocaine and he's like yeah sure Sure, <laughs> the classic sure, and he looks extremely disinterested <laughs> yeah. and almost a little offended. I thought that was just a funny tidbit. Yeah, but most of the interviews are pretty good. You get um, you get the screenwriters there. I've one. See, this is the problem when you uh, redo an episode. The name escapes me, but one of the co-writers specifically, George uh, Lucas, not George Lucas. Although George Lucas is in this, if you're one of those guys. Uh, that you know, you like George Lucas, I guess. He comes screenplay for uh, John Milius, Michael Her. I think it was Michael. Okay. Um, he's actually a very um engaging on screen presence. Yeah. Actually, uh, surprisingly, I guess I shouldn't be surprised per se. Uh, George Lucas is in this. Uh, he is monotone all the time. He just goes, uh, yeah, and we were making uh, Kermit the Frog. Uh, and look at my jowls. Oh. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a good smattering of video, uh, interviews all around. Um, it's a pretty... It is a, I'll admit that the film at 90 plus minutes is a bit long, yeah. especially given that it's a documentary. But I understand that they did have a lot of quality footage that I feel they wanted to utilize. Mm -hmm. So that's fine on that part. Um, it's kind of like uh, Her Majesty at the end of Abbey Road. Yeah. They're like, well, we can't just leave this on the cutting room floor. We gotta add this baby in. Yeah, you know, so sometimes there's sequences that seem a little bit jumbled or a little bit long in the tooth in terms of, like, what they're trying to convey. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I, that didn't hamper my enjoyment of the film too much. I will admit that I was less than happy, and I think you might have felt this too, with the the sort of conclusion of the film in the sense that there's a very nice ending interview with Francis Ford Coppola when he talks about how he hopes that one day a little fat girl from Ohio <laughs> with her dad's video camera will revolutionize the film industry. But there's like a bunch of places in towards the end of the film where it's like, oh, the movie's done, and it's not. Yeah. The classic uh, indecision. Yeah. Like, they introduce Marlon Brando, and I'm like, okay, is it going to end here? And then, no, they're introducing Dennis Hopper. And I was like, okay, are we done here? And they're like, nope, we're still filming the movie. Okay, and then finally the movie's out, and I was like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> And I'm glad you mentioned Hopper and Brando because the their role in this documentary, I, I actually cannot believe they act this way in real life. Yeah, I'm always astounded in a sense that actors are as dramatic as they are in roles mm -hmm. in real life. Dennis Hopper, who plays the crazy American photojournalist yeah. in Apocalypse Now, is playing I uh, just a crazy actor man in mm -hmm. this one um my favorite exchange of the film is when they're on the set of Kurtz's little castle yeah, that yeah. he has in the bush and it's just Hopper and Coppola talking about like motivation mm -hmm. and they're so both frustrated with each other yes. and Coppola's like you just have to listen to me man okay listen to what I'm saying yeah and Hopper's like I don't get it I just don't I just don't feel it and it's hilarious it's great well he's like well you haven't told me like the script you haven't told me what to say and then he was like well you have to learn like what you have to make it up what to say and he's just like what the fuck man Brando's part especially in this film is great because in Apocalypse Now of course, his role in Apocalypse now, and I think the his his like gaffe in the production, like in terms of how he came mm -hmm. overweight and how he didn't know his lines, he didn't read the book. Uh, 
that's almost as famous as his role in the film. But when you watch the film, at first you get the sense that this man is insane, but he has profound things to say. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the role is done extremely well. Although in hindsight, and especially having watched this film, it seems like Mar Brando's performance in that film uh, owes a lot to Coppola and yes. his editing skills yes. and his writing skills and his ability to cut away the fat because you see some of the lines that Brando is improvising in Hearts of Darkness and they're so nonsensical. <laughs> of course, there's a funny part where he's just, you know, continuing his spiel and almost in character he says, a bug flew in my mouth. <laughs> um, and he just, he rambles on and on. He sounds insane at some yeah. point. He, he, he wanders about um, so I think it's I that was like a great dichotomy to think of his his super serious dramatic performance in Apocalypse Now as this tortured and figure that represents some whatever part of subconscious or who cares mm -hmm. uh, and then you just have Brando here who came fat and didn't really know what he was doing <laughs> and uh, he got paid three million for this and he got paid three million and of course there's little disputes throughout the film in terms of funding I guess we should talk about uh, the m film went out of budget and they make sure to state many times in the film that this is coming out of Coppola's pocket. Yeah. He made Godfather 1 and 2 before this. So of course, he had big bucks and mm -hmm. big fame. Um, and of course, the production, I actually don't know how many years the production went on. I'll find it out right now on the fly here. You can keep keep talking. If the you little want. tidbit that I've heard is that Lawrence Fishburne, who was underage at the time of the film, I think he was like 14. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time the film released, he was the same age as his character, who I think was 17. So I was at least some three years in development. Uh, sorry, if you can keep rambling for a second, I'm still trying. Um, okay, way more. Uh, Apocalypse Now, the film was legendarily produced over budget from initial $14 million to costing over $31.5 million. Um, over time, principal photography was planned for six months, but ended up lasting over a year and over the top. Most people know it took over three years to shoot and edit. Yeah. Yeah. Because principal photography, they, they kind of like count the days in the film. That yeah. They do it. So they're like 100 days, but it's been like a couple of years yeah. at that point. Because they had to take time off because sometimes... People uh, get heart attacks. People get... Willard's getting heart attacks. Martin Sheen's getting heart attacks. We got uh, tsunamis and hurricanes in... Where did they film this? The Philippines. The Philippines. You have their attack choppers getting taken away by the Philippines government to fight actual wars. Yeah. There's just uh, small things like that that you actually can't believe happened. And I think that in terms of the making of for movies, this is, to me, like one of the most interesting and intriguing that I've seen. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I can't think of like another movie that has had like a, as troubling as a, of a production and i think part of the appeal is the novelty and the idea that you have apocalypse now this drew a very dramatic heavy film and that on set and not just on screen the people in the making of the film were kind of tortured and it's development yeah. all around so i can appreciate that and i kind of and i kind of went with it and for me the hearts of darkness was a pretty thoroughly enjoyable documentary on apocalypse now I think if you if you enjoy Apocalypse Now, even if you don't enjoy Apocalypse Now, I would watch this as a companion piece, maybe later. Well, that's the thing that I said on, in the last episode, was that do people like this movie so much because they love Apocalypse Now, and then this is like Apocalypse Now Part 2, and then you just get more of it? Because whenever you love something, you just want more of it, 
uh, is this like that that extra scoop of ice cream, or is it its own dish? I'm thinking. I'm thinking perhaps not. And the reason is because Apocalypse Now is very careful. It's very carefully crafted. I think a lot of the appeal in that movie is is just how immaculate it is mm -hmm. in every aspect. It it just feels true to life. And Hearts of Darkness kind of, of course, is true to life and kind of uh, appeals to the same dramatic themes. But in as they famously say in Community in the episode where they parody Hearts of Darkness, there's a couple characters that say um, Hearts of Darkness is way better than Apocalypse Now. Yeah. That makes me think that the people who like Hearts of Darkness best are not necessarily huge fans of Apocalypse Now. Okay. But I'm a fan of both films. Yeah. Um... The movie also sprinkles in kind of maybe at like different chapters of the story the these audio recordings of Orson Welles reading Hearts of Darkness and I really like that. Oh yeah. Uh, or Heart of Darkness, sorry. Um, I, I like all those little tidbits because it it ties in nicely to uh, to the movie, kind of like how um, Quentin Tarantino will use music and like the lyrics will kind of tie into to the movie. I like yeah. that. Oh, and it's interesting because they note, and I did not know this, that Orson Welles was initially going to do an adaptation yeah. of Hearts of Darkness, or Heart of Darkness, pardon, um, and then they said no, so he did, uh, I'll just sit with Kane instead, I guess, <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> yeah, I, the movie, like, I don't want to say too much, because, like, it's, it is really lame to just repeat ourselves after recording an hour-long episode, um... So I don't I don't know I uh, one other thing I remember that we talked about was Eleanor you didn't like her her voiceovers that much in this movie you thought uh... no uh, you know what Eleanor Coppola no disrespect she has very inspired uh, to, like uh, cinematography when she's recording and, mm -hmm. and of course those secret interviews were inspired in, in a great addition uh, but she's such a bland uh, presence like she's the opposite of the screenwriter she's yeah pretty enigmatic. Um, she just kind of like, hmm. <laughs> where Francis Ford Coppola's sitting shirtless, playing with his uh, nipples. Dude, my favorite part of this movie <laughs> is when Francis. Well, there's two favorite parts there. Number one, Francis Ford Coppola playing with his breast, <laughs> uh, and two, like, like three times in this movie, he goes from like fat, fat Italian man yeah. to like kind of slim. Yeah. Then he gets fat again. Then he yeah. stays fat. Then he gets slim. Then he's just fat again. <laughs> Uh, and that and that's almost like an unconscious way because they can manipulate that, but of just showing the progress of the film mm -hmm. uh, and kind of the turmoil that Coppola is going to. Yeah, He's probably eating a little bit too much cannoli sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favorite part of the episode, which I didn't, or the the movie that I didn't say last time, was um, near the end. They are talking about. Um, taking part in these rituals with these Filipino tribesmen. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and that was probably like the most religious experience of their lives. Yes. And I was watching that. And I was like, Oh my God, like being in just in the desert, you're probably hopped up on who knows what. And then you see this, these rituals of them, like chopping, um, well, it's not a cow. It was a water buffalo. Or... Yes, the water buffalo. To bits with machetes. Yeah, and then they offer you its heart because the the leader or or the mayor, I forget, the or chief. both the chief, the chief, um, like offered Francis Ford, Co and they didn't say what he did with it. I don't think they offered him like its heart, 
which was like the most insane symbolism ever yeah that wasn't planned and then it tied back to what we said or what we talked about when we looked at cannibal holocaust with animal cruelty I, uh we mentioned in that episode how in apocalypse now they were just killing the water buffalo and the camera crew just happened to be there yeah. so it wasn't i i give that like a, a moral pass or, i give that a moral pass because that to me is like like all the act of them killing this water buffalo is totally fine by me. Mm -hmm. And all they would did was film it. Whereas in Cannibal Holocaust, they 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 went deep. They Ch chopped off a monkey's head. Chopped off the monkey's head. they like the cast members are throwing up, like not only uh, in the movie in real life, they're getting pissed. I don't know. Yeah, I'd like to see a uh, Cannibal Holocaust: Hearts of Darkness. That's a uh, green. Uh, what Narsha was the green, the green Inferno? That one is. That's just like, but that's just a straight up cannibal yeah. movie. Yeah. Uh, let us know if you want us to review Green Inferno because I'd like to see a. Mo I haven't seen a modern day cannibal film, and I heard it's pretty horrific. Green Inferno. Yeah. Yeah, we should do that. I don't think it's a call movie because apparently it's kind of shitty. But if you Eli Roth definitely fi uh, files under cult films and filmmakers. He likes to do horror stuff. Did he do Green Inferno? Yeah, and he he's he's the bear Jew in. Uh, oh, Inglourious I, I was Bastards. wondering why that name sounded familiar. He's the bear Jew, not to be confused with Adam Sandler. Yes, going to yes. be the bear Jew. I I started watching um, uh, Death Proof last night, and Eli Roth Ross or Roth Roth. Roth was in it, as well as, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who plays um, Antonio Margariti. I think that's his character's name. Or, like, his character's fake name in Inglorious Bastards. Do you oh, remember? Yeah. Like, there was Eli Roth, the bear Jew, and then his, like, friend. And then there was Brad Pitt and um, the blonde German lady when they infiltrated the movie. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. yeah, he was in that movie as well. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen Death Proof, but it's coming up. I think that's one of two Tarantino films I haven't completed. And, uh... Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. I was gonna say Foxy Brown. Foxy Brown! <laughs> no, the lady who plays Jackie Brown is in another movie called Foxy something. Uh, Pam Greer. She's in, um... Oh, what is it? The name escapes me. Is it Foxy Brown? <laughs> it's not Foxy Brown. That'd be a little on the nose. Um, although very appropriate, I guess. Yeah, wait, let's see if we can find it. Uh, she's in a very famous one Foxy Brown is it Foxy yeah. Brown what's the other film she's in Coffee, Coffee. Jackie Brown the L word Coffee with uh, C-O-F-F-Y yeah we gotta do we. you know what that's speaking of we gotta get to some black exploitation yeah. because Superfly would definitely fly under cult and black then if Dynamite we, Shaft maybe we can do like a Black Dynamite double feature because I have been meaning to watch Black Dynamite for a while the one that we saw at Sunrise Records uh, Tales from the Hood Tales from the Hood we have to do that. that has Sam Jackson in it does it? yeah I think it does oh my god yeah. but uh, yeah um, question for you I guess before we, we close things off yeah would you have liked to see George Lucas direct Apocalypse Now well, like, it's an impossible, like, question to answer. Do you th do uh, you like, think peak it's... George Lucas? Yeah. yeah Would well, it have been the same movie? No. Do you think his style lends well to the type of film? Well, like, what's doing? a style? Like, honestly, I can't even tell what a style is. Well, I'm trying to think, like, if he's kind of making a dramatic... And I haven't seen too many of his films, to be honest. You've probably seen, you've seen more of his films than I have. Yeah. So I'm thinking of how he would approach this, um, 
this this Vietnam era war epic. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be. I, I would like to think he wouldn't do like a swashbuckling Star Wars thing. Where it's like, yippee, yeah. in. I don't know. Well, I, he can do depressing too because THX wasn't really a, a roller coaster. Wasn't an upper. No. A bit of a downer. It was a bit of a downer. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. He could have done something good. Uh, Harrison Ford is in this movie for a very brief amount of time, and his character's name, I don't even think they say it. It's just kind of like it's one G, of those did you know. It's G Lucas. I think he has Lucas on his name tag. Okay. Right? But he's credited as G Lucas, which is because originally George Lucas was in talks to adapt the film. Yeah. And he, well, and George Lucas and Harrison, or not Harrison Ford, uh, Francis Ford Coppola go way back and they've been buddies for forever. Um, and the reason Harrison Ford was Han Solo in Star Wars 1977 was because um, he, w he was working on a building or something, like just doing a carpentry job for um, Francis Ford Coppola. And then George Lucas was like, you know what, let's try you again. Because he was in American Graffiti. And he was like, I don't want anybody I've ever worked with before being in Star Wars. So, and then he saw Harrison Ford. He's like, actually, You're let's, fine. let's try on. you. What's so. funny there is that he was in American Graffiti and then his next job was Carpentry yeah. on the set. <laughs> kind of a downgrade. I, I, I don't know. But, uh, yeah. Well, like, I don't even, where did Mark Hamill come from? I don't know. I'm assuming just like a casting call. Like, I don't believe that I could be wrong, but I, I'm i pretty sure Mark Hamill's big role was Star Wars and one of his early roles. I think he had small roles before that. Yeah. In fact, I can fact check it quickly if you'd like. There was, um, I was watching some video, like one of those videos where that you see all the time now, it's like Mark Hamill breaks down his most famous roles or whatever. Paul McCartney breaks down yeah. his most iconic songs. I think that's GQ. Yeah, yeah. And the thumbnail is him and he's like smiling next to a Sgt. Pepper's. Yeah, know, and he's yeah. old. Yeah, and he's old and he's a clone because the real part of Paul McCartney has been dead for years. His name is Fall. Okay. Oh, Fall. Fall. False or fake Fall. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, and Mark Hamill was just talking about how when they were making the sequels, he was kind of, like, iffy on it. Yeah. And, um, Carrie Fisher was like, man, just grow up. You're Luke Skywalker. I'm Princess Leia. Just get over yourself and let's do this movie. Yeah. And he was like, okay. I just looked it up. Uh, that was his first role really? ever. Um, that same year, he, he provides a voice for, uh, a Ralph Bakshi animated film. Hmm. Uh, and I think he, who's that? He's uh, I think he did some concept art for Star Wars. Did he not? No, I well, I don't know. I just the big one I know is Ralph McQuarrie did. Oh right, it's Ralph, Ralph McQuarrie. Um, I don't know. He he's famed for he does like a lot of animated films. I don't know what he's done, but that was the same year Star Wars came out. So maybe that was his end. That was his end. But Star Wars, I'm assuming, was like his. Is how he this, Casper. this is a tangent. I'm going on it. I don't care. We watched. I got in my box set of Harmies D Specialized Edition. We only got to watch uh, the first one so far. Only. Well, it's a great film. Yes. I have to say, this is the way to watch the movie. Yeah, like they open it with the trailer. It's awesome. Um, I was watching. I was like, Mark Hamill is literally just like a California boy in this movie, and I think that's like he's supposed to be like very. Um, Oh, come on. What's a movie? Oh, my God. Uh, Let me into your mind. Okay, get in. 
Why the movie that they're obsessed with in Ted? That that's like I can. Oh, a Flash Gordon. He's like supposed to be like Flash Gordon. Yeah, like, except like more dweeby. Yeah, he's got like the surfer, like Beach Boys hair and like a tan going on. I'm going to Toshi Station to, to pick up power converters. converters. Yeah. Anyways, uh, back to the movie Hearts of Darkness. Uh, yeah, it was good. I think I like it in hindsight. Maybe it's just because I can't remember the little <laughs> things that I disliked about it. I'm liking it more now. Um, but by one point, I'll say. Um, yeah, the editing is really great, um, which is like the big thing. Like, what do you really critique a documentary on? Like, pacing and editing, really. And I guess, like, narrative. Like, narrative. does a narrative matter? Uh, the narrative, like, is very poignant at the end. The, some of the buildup is, like, silly and they like introduce some aspects that they don't even like follow up on like they say they made a big point at the beginning beginning of the movie that they brought their kids along and then the kids don't they don't really say anything about them later on yeah and i was just like i'm sure there had to have been and like i know there was huge like drug use that they like kind of brushed over too that may have been for legal and maybe uh, public relations reasons (laughs) because they do touch on it because i guess they would be remiss not to they say they smoked the marijuana on set, and yeah. then I and I think it's kind of it's kind of representative when they ask um, whoever that actor yeah. was. And yeah. He's not very excited <laughs> to talk about it, so that's just something that'll stay behind the scenes until somebody writes a tell-all expose. Yeah, I'm sure it's gonna be in uh, like Lawrence Fishburne's uh, one or something. Lawrence Fishburne is in this, and like they filmed his. He's very he's very small role in this. Yeah. He filmed this documentary on the roof of a building. Built like just in his apartment. Uh, and he just looks like yeah. It's I swear to God they just went to his, the top of his apartment building and said, "Hey, Lawrence, we're just gonna ask you a couple of questions." I think he's literally in it for maybe two scenes. For maybe two or three scenes, he's credited as Larry Fishburne, which is classic. really <laughs> yeah, Larry Fishburne. And um, he does have like a small interview portion in the beginning, <laughs> and that's another great moment of the film because. You can tell by the way, and I'm impressed by his acting capabilities given the way that he was at mm-hmm. whatever age 14 when he recorded this interview. But he just comes up as like this dumbass, know nothing, dumbass kid. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm sure Lawrence Fishburne is looking back at that and giving a hearty chuckle. Yeah, because he's like, war is cool, man. You can just like blow shit up. And, and I'm like, like what? <laughs> and like, that's his, that's kind of his character in the movie, but like, it's. You wouldn't, I wouldn't expect, he did a great job. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah. Um, And like another thing that you get to see, which is cool is like, um, how much like ad-libbing and like on the fly writing went into this. Like there are so many shots of just like Francis Ford Coppola the day of sitting at his typewriter, just like typing away the scenes and then he'll get like actors and it'll be like, what do you think should like should happen here because i always wonder like how much investment do actors have into their characters i was thinking of this while watching star trek kayla and then i was in there and you know how they get like red shirts on all the time i always wonder like do these red shirts like give themselves a backstory in their head of like how they should act like how much really goes into it or are they really just like uh is just done and they don't really give a shit like i don't know well it depends if you're it's just, you know, there's two types of actors in the world. There's 70s Harrison Ford, and then there's present-day Harrison Ford. And there's no in-between. Right. So, it's uh, whichever Ford you're feeling that day. <laughs> I guess so. If you want to be snakes, why did it have to be snakes, Harrison Ford, or not? Uh, I'm in a movie with a CGI wolf, dog, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, what was the movie called again? Call of the Wild. Call of the Wild. Hey, I'm in the new Star Wars. J.J. Uh, Abrams, please kill my character. Kill me, please. Come back, please. Uh, Remember how goofy his acting was in Return of the Jedi? Yeah, he was going like the classic reaction gif, which I'm going like, like yeah. shrugging his shoulders. All right, we're talking about other movies more so than the actual movie. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? No, um, I didn't. We didn't talk too much about Coppola himself, but he, I like Coppola. Like I, I, I just like he, him as a person. I like him as a person. He he just kind of like uh, he's he's kind of neurotic mm-hmm. uh, and he's kind of all over the place. But he seems like a cool guy. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I'd like to work on a movie with him though. <laughs> well, that's what I said last time. I watched a, like let's say half a year ago, um, a video it was like an hour long. Just I think it was called like sit down talk with the uh, Martin Sheen. Is Martin his real first name? Because no. then he'd be Martin Martinez. No, it's. Um... Because his last name is Estevez. Oh, right? Estevez, like, right. Yeah, yeah. I It's not. I'll, I'll check what his real name is. Martin Sheen is his stage name, as yeah. we know. But we know you're related to Emilio and es- Charlie yeah. Sheen. Yeah. Is, did Emilio change his last name? No, he just went by Emilio Estevez. What's his brother that does the show with t- uh, Tim and Eric? Oh, uh, Joe Estevez? Joe Estevez, yeah. There's so, oh, there's so many Estevez. I didn't even realize. Yeah, there's um, Martin Sheen's birth name. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually know if Marcinus is official, like if he actually changed his name. Yeah. Or changed his name. Ramon. Okay. Ramon Gerard Antonio Estevez. Damn. Yeah, I watch a talk down or a, holy shit, uh, a sit down talk between uh, the two of them, and they mainly focused on like Martin. Uh, so I already knew about like the big thing, like his heart attack, and he was drinking a lot and smoking a lot. Three packs a day, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That is that ain't no joke. Like I wonder if he was even enjoying those or if he the just, cigarettes. Yeah, when you're on three packs a day, cigarettes are your oxygen. You yeah. don't enjoy them. You just don't enjoy not having them. Right. Uh, yeah. So I knew some of that. So I and. I guess, like, the big appeal of this movie is, like, the behind-the-scenes no. So those parts were, like, I was sitting there, like, okay, I already know this. Let's get a move on. Yeah. So I kind of spoiled it a bit for myself there. Um, but, yeah, I like Francis Ford Copeland's quite a bit. Good film. Yeah. Bags time. Eight. Eight bags. Derek. I bumped it up. He bumped up the bags. Yeah, I won't say... Well, yeah. When... We'll talk about the last episode. Will it be in the vault forever? Maybe. Will it release uh, tonight? Maybe. There will be a limited edition cassette release We're of gonna the last episode. The last episode of Cop. <laughs> um, and um, I'm going to give this one four bags. Okay. Four bags of popcorn out of five. Yep. It's, uh, you know what? I'll say this. It's a... Uh, Apocalypse Now, not a group watch. You could probably group watch uh, Hearts of Darkness. It's it's it, I and we didn't know it. It does have a lot of comedic moments. Yeah. Intentional and unintentional. Yeah. Um. And I guess those were a nice addition to the film too. Uh, I tried making Apocalypse Now a group watch. Biggest mistake of my life. Didn't go. Yeah. Don't play Apocalypse Luke. Now in front of the hose. I'll say Luke. that. Luke's a tough guy, puts on Apocalypse Now, puts on Earl's sweatshirt. Don't do that, guys, man. This summer, do not put on Earl's sweatshirt. Just put on the new Drake mixtape. Avalanches. Just ta- put on... Av- no, you know what? Avalanches, don't even put that. Put on the new Drake tape and take the L, okay? It's going to save you 
A lot of time. And you drink that White Claw, too. Uh, I don't... Okay, we're just going to speed through this and get on to the next episode. So I guess next week, I, or the, the next episode you're going to listen to, it's going to be Harold and Maude. We're recording it right after this. After that, what was the other one you picked? I forgot. I forgot, too. Let me just check my list here. But I'll, I remember... Death you, Race 2000. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we're doing that one next. Uh, if you're listening to this on umfm.com, this is available on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. We have an Instagram, Cop Podcast, C-O-P Podcast, all one word. Uh, and that's pretty much it. We're going to take off now and record the other episode. Hopefully this one doesn't get lost. If it does, uh, we'll do it for a third time. Anything. No, no, we're not. Uh, okay, see you later.